Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, this is Coach Freddie, and I'm here with David Bush. David Bush believes the practice of law is about solving problems reasonably, ethically, and professionally. He represents individuals and businesses in the industrial hemp industry. So, David, welcome to the iHemp Revolution. Well, thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. A lot has happened in 2016 with uh, everybody. So, tell us, what are some of the highlights in the hemp industry that existed for you, David Law, in 2016? Well, I, I would say the first thing, Freddie, is that uh, just uh, recently uh, I have accepted a position at a law firm in Denver, so David Law won't be practicing David Law too much longer. Okay. I accepted a position with the Hoban Law Group. It's uh, one of the largest cannabis law firms in the state of Colorado, it has a sizable marijuana and industrial hemp practice, so I'm coming in to uh, help out on the hemp side. So I'm looking forward to the expanded opportunities at the Hoban Law Group. One thing is that last year uh, there was a law passed in Colorado which authorized the creation of a certified seed program, and that has been moving forward this year. It uh, is uh, intended to introduce uh, seeds from stable cultivars of industrial hemp that uh, are bred and, and, and raised under Colorado conditions and hopefully would be suitable for farmers here and uh, to give them much more control over the THC concentrations in the plants, which is vital to having an industry at all because hemp is only legally defined as 0.3% THC or less by dry weight, and if plants are raised with concentrations above that, they need to be destroyed. So it's been very important to come up with stable cultivars, seeds that can grow mature plants that achieve those THC concentrations that put hemp in the legal range. And uh, there are several companies, I believe, uh, that uh, they're all from foreign sources at this point that have offered their cultivars to the Department of Agriculture for testing and evaluation, and a number of them have uh, gone quite a ways through that process to have approval of their cultivars. They haven't gotten to a production stage yet, and that's what I need to emphasize. That there is no commercially available certified seed at this time in Colorado, and so we're hoping maybe if not in 2017 season and the 2018 season, there actually will be certified seed on the market, which would be the first in the country. Another uh, thing that happened in the state this year was uh, there was a big controversy. It's still going on with hemp-based foods. Okay. And 
And this is, it's, it's a very strange situation that developed. And let me back up a minute. Hemp and marijuana are regulated in very dis- different systems in the state, different administrative agencies, different bodies of law. And in the marijuana system, there's lots of foods that are being made now, cookies and candies and drinks that are infused with THC. And you can go into any pot shop in the state and find lots of these marijuana-based foods available. People prefer oftentimes to uh, to take their marijuana that way rather than smoking it. And, uh, and that's perfectly legal. It's regulated by the state. We are in a very strange situation where you can make essentially the same products or very similar products with industrial hemp, and those are illegal. Mm. And the reason is simply this, that foods that are made through the marijuana regulatory system are exempt from regulation by the Department of Public Health and the Environment. The Department of Public Health and the Environment takes its standards from the Federal Food and Drug Administration. Those standards and those laws don't apply to marijuana-based foods. All marijuana-based foods are regulated through the State Marijuana Enforcement Division. You turn to the hemp side, there is no state agency that regulates hemp foods at this point. But they're all subject to regulation by the State Department of Public Health and the Environment. And following the FDA standards, that department has decided that foods that are infused with hemp extracts, primarily CBD, they're what they call it, they're dangerous uh, legally, <laughs> not in reality. Legally, they're, they're determined to be uh, dangerous. And so it's very ironic that in the state you can buy all the, hemp, uh, all the marijuana-based foods you want, and they're perfectly legal. The hemp-based foods are considered adulterated and poisonous. Um, and it's just a quirk of the law that we have a set of law that applies to hemp and marijuana is exempted from it. So uh, that came up this year and it created a lot of fury that people who want to make cookies infused with CBD or bake pies with CBD, they can't do that at a commercial scale now. That That's illegal in Colorado as of the middle of this year. And, uh, and so there is uh, legislation that is going to be introduced in the General Assembly in January. So this is what we have to look forward to in 2017. There is legislation under development now. It will be introduced in the General Assembly for consideration, which will legally recognize hemp-based foods as safe for human and animal consumption. Another thing that uh, happened in Colorado this year, which was very controversial, there were a number of of hemp grows that failed their THC testing. And Mm -hmm. it it, it created a lot of rancor (laughs) among people. And we realized a few things from the experience this year. Number one, we learned that the vast majority of the failures in terms of acreage involved, they were from just about three different cultivars that have been raised indigenously in Colorado. And so, again, a certified seed program is extremely important because the whole purpose of the certified seed program is to get away from these failures. It's to produce varieties of hemp that have very low concentrations of of, uh, THC in them. 
And this year, we had some cultivars that were not very good, not very stable, and they produced some pretty bad results. And so there were literally hundreds of acres of hemp in Colorado this year that failed and had to be destroyed because they had a little bit too much THC. And and we're talking about smidgens, Freddie. We're talking about instead of testing out at 0.3%, they tested out at 0.4 or 0.5%. So it's still nothing that anyone would ever get high off of, but it exceeds the legal limit. So uh, there's problems with the cultivars we have in Colorado. They're not stable. There are problems with the fact that people were very upset that they were getting these failing test results and they 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 weren't really sure that the testing was done and the sampling was done in a valid manner, and yet they had no way to really review that with the state. They were just told, you failed, you're out, destroy your crop. Um, so something needs to be done to improve that system. A big part of it will be the certified seed system uh, when that gets online, but that will still take some time. In the meantime, there's been a call for tightening up the standards for testing to make sure that everyone has their crop sampled and tested in a uniform and fair manner. Uh, there are some doubts that that really happened in some cases, but we don't know, and we don't have a way to really prove it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So we need some improvements in those systems. The uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, came out with a few different uh, interesting uh policy statements of it published on August 12th of this year in the Federal Register, which is a publication by the U.S. government that uh, contains a lot of material relating to legislation and rulemaking. Uh, But they published in that on August 12th something called the Statement of Principles. And it was an attempt by the Department of Agriculture to clarify what it, it found to be acceptable and compliance uh, cultivation of industrial hemp under the Farm Bill. And just to back up a minute, the Farm Bill is actually a very large piece of legislation. It's yeah. recurring. It's passed better every five years, and it includes everything from crop insurance to food stamps to uh, aid to institutions of higher education, and I could go on for a while. There's all kinds of programs, federal programs, that are all folded up in this multi-hundred-page bill that passes about every five years. Formerly, it's called the Agricultural Act. It's popularly known as the Farm Bill. Well, in 2014, which was our current Farm Bill, when that was signed into law, it included a brief provision on what it called the legitimacy of industrial hemp research. And it authorized state departments of agriculture and state institutions of higher education to cultivate industrial hemp for research purposes only. That has been an extremely controversial provision ever since it was enacted. And there are a lot of people out there who sincerely believe that uh, this was a, uh, it intended by Congress to legalize hemp cultivation not only by state governments and universities, but also by, by commercial growers, as long as they were in some kind of relationship with the state or a university. 
So there were a lot of questions about really who could grow hemp under the farm bill and what they had to do to make it comply with federal law. And the August 12th Statement of Principles by the Department of Agriculture was an attempt to address some of that. And it only created more controversy, which still is around today. There were a, uh, a number of things that were said in the Statement of Principles, some of which were very encouraging and some of which got people very upset. So, for example, there, in the Statement of Principles, the Department of Agriculture said uh, that that growing hemp under the Farm Bill is for purposes of research. It's not for purposes of general commercial activity. And some states, especially Kentucky, have been using the Farm Bill for precisely that purpose, to develop a commercial agricultural sector in the state economy for producing industrial hemp. And, of course, that got the... Uh, got them very concerned to the point where their senators were writing to the USDA and saying, we don't agree with what you just wrote. Um, so that's, that's unresolved today. The Farm Bill really means research when they say that, or do they mean, well, anything that is remotely connected to research, even if it's commercial production. Interstate commerce, that was another big thing that came up in this statement of principles, where uh, the USDA said, well, one state that is compliant with farm bill production can trade with another state that's also compliant, but not with states that aren't doing it. And so it became a source of confusion. Well, where can I sell my hemp? What states can I legally transfer it to when I grow it in Colorado or Oregon or Kentucky or some such place? Where can I send the stuff? Uh, there were controversial statements made about the definition of industrial hemp. Um, the federal government has been trying to rein back the production of hemp medicinals. And by that, I mean mainly products that are made from cannabinoid extracts in industrial hemp. Um, in the Statement of Principles, the USDA tried to strongly suggest that industrial hemp could only be raised for fiber and seed oil, which are traditional uses for industrial hemp. And they tried to uh, define out of Farm Bill compliant hemp anything raised for medicinal purposes like CBD products. That got people very upset. I think one of the more positive notes of the Statement of Principles was it also said that if you are growing hemp that complies with the federal farm bill, then your other federal benefits, things like crop insurance, federal loans, water rights, and so forth, uh, won't be endangered. So they were offering some kind of a shield to people that have been very concerned that if they experimented with hemp, they might lose their benefits. So that was reassuring, but it does still beg the question, well, when the heck is someone complying with the law? We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the Statement of Principles was uh, was really a hot potato. The Department of Agriculture, within a month, actually promised that it was going to release a clarification of the Statement of Principles, and it never did that. Nothing has come out to change anything or clarify anything, and now it looks like it won't happen until after the new administration comes in in January. 
The Department of Agriculture did a couple of other things that uh, that seemed to be very encouraging for the hemp industry. It has recognized that Farm Bill compliant hemp growers can actually apply for organic certification, which is a huge deal in in the economy now. There is such a demand for organic products that has gone up big growth industry, including organic cannabis. Both marijuana and hemp are looking into the potential for exploiting that market. What I'd like to ask you now, now that you are working with another law firm, uh, let me ask you, David, what is David Bush's objective with his new company? My objective is to help the industrial hemp space at least in Colorado, succeed. And the only way we can do that is if we succeed on a national level. Now, that's what drives me in my practice is other people's success. I, I'm kind of a catalyst for that, as it were. I, I help people wade through the uncertainties and the things that they don't understand and the strange quirks in the law, um, things that could stand between them and success is is what we try to try to address. So what I see in 2017 is being able to do a lot more of that with a lot more people in a constantly changing environment. It's a challenge. Yes, it is. So any last comments that you would like to address or tell our audience on the IHEMP revolution? Well, I, I would encourage people to contact your congressman and ask them to support the Industrial Hemp Farming Act. We have got to see change at the federal level, and we can't let the atmosphere of prohibition continue any longer. It was a mistake to begin with, and the longer it goes on, the more of a mistake we can see that it is. So we need to, at the very least, take industrial hemp out of the Controlled Substances Act. All the marijuana should be delisted. I truly believe that, too. There's too much benefit to the cannabis plant in general to ever consider it as uh, something that has to be hidden and destroyed. So we should be sending that message loud and clear to Congress to free the plant and free our economy for the things that we can really do with this plant. That's a great message, David. And with that, I would like to thank you for bringing guests on the IHAMP Revolution podcast. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.